you are the son of God. Command the stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him and said, it is written, man shall not live but by bread, by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then he brought him to the pinnacle in Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It's been said, Satan, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him for a more opportune time. And all God's people said, Amen. I want to tag this message today, how to get victory over the devil. That's a problem we all can agree on. How to get victory over the devil. Zion Hill, when we arrive at this narrative on the day, you and I have the privilege to see the reality of the evil one and his temptation against the Son of God. Satan in this text opposes the Son of the Most High God, just like he opposes the mission of the church. And we can learn from this passage today that Satan's one task is to stop you and I. This sermon, if you listen real good, will reveal his methods, his mannerisms, and his message to every believer. That this text will unveil what I call, Sister Gladys, is the secrets of warfare and the strategy for how to defeat the evil one who has come to take you out. Jesus is teaching you and I how to deal with the devil in this passage. And he's showing you and I a strategy for ending his never-ending temptations. He's teaching us how to deal with him in this passage. And I'm glad today that we got a hero who knows what we're going through. I'm glad we got somebody that can teach us how to handle that bully. In this text alone, we get to see Jesus when he was at his weakest time in the earth. In his flesh, he is still able to defeat the enemy of our souls. 
Now the old preacher said the reason why we can do it is because Jesus did it at his weakest moment. So there's three things we can learn today from this text. Y'all gonna help me preach? Let's learn how to deny our flesh, deny our focus, and deny our foe. I'll lay them out again. Let's deny our flesh, deny our focus, and deny our foe. Brother Queen, when we come to verse 1, the text says, Then Jesus, being filled, yes, with the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan, that's where he was baptized, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And being tempted 40 days by the devil, and in those days, the Bible says, he ate nothing. And afterward, he was hungry. And so the devil talked to him and said, if you are the son of God, then command these stones to be made bread. Jesus said, it's written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. Can I work right here, Zion Hill? First thing I observe in this text, brothers and sisters, is that Jesus had just had the worship experience of his life. He had spent 40 days fasting and praying in intimacy with the Father and the Spirit of God. And after that great worship experience, he has an encounter with the evil one. And that teaches me something right there, that after you and I have had that great mountaintop experience, where we have worship at the feet of the Savior, that's when the enemy always decides to show up. The text says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Uh, Let me say it this way for those online. It was the Spirit of God that led him into this battle. It was the Spirit of God that had ordered his steps. It was the Spirit of God that took him into the place of opposition. Are y'all reading with me? It was the Spirit of God that was directing him as he went to the front lines of this great battle. Now, I believe that it was the Spirit who knew what he was about to face. The Spirit of God knew was was up ahead of Christ the man. Yet he did not prevent him him from enduring the days of testing that were coming upon him. Can I say some more? I believe that so it is in the life of the believer. God already knows every temptation you're going to face this week. He already knows how the evil one going to come at you on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. He already knows. But he does not stop the temptation because he expects you to be victorious over every trial that come your way. Can I talk to you? I believe God desires for Wilson to get victory 
over the temptations that come to take me out. I ain't talking about you, I'm talking about me. I believe he expects me to handle it when the evil one comes my way. Second thing I see in the text is that Satan tries to get Jesus to use his power to satisfy his own physical needs. I just dropped something right there. See, this subtle temptation was introduced because the master had a legitimate need. He was hungry, the Bible says, after 40 days. Now listen, it wouldn't have been wrong for him to make a, a bread sandwich. He was Jesus. He was hungry. But what would have made it wrong is he would have been taking his cues from the underworld. The devil wanted to command him to use his power to satisfy his physical needs. See, when you read the devil's words, we learn that Satan wanted Jesus to comfort his flesh at his command with the power that the Father gave him to dwell with on earth. Here it is. He wanted him to comfort himself. Feed, here it is, his carnal appetite. Use the power that God the Father gave him to satisfy his own physical desires. I know somebody listening at me online saying, what's wrong with that? Everything when the devil tell you to do it. Can I argue right here? The same devil wants you to satisfy your fleshly desires by using the power God gave you as a child of God. Just like he wanted Jesus, yes, to refuse to wait on the Father <laughs> for his provisions. He also wants you and I to refuse to wait for God to make a way out of no way. So why, 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 what is this? So what he does, Brother Keith, is he dangles before you and I physical pleasures in your weakest moments, tempting you to disobey the Father in order to satisfy the demands of your fleshly appetite. What's wrong? Well, he's a subtle deceiver. He's always lurking and enticing you with the bait of disobedience and impatience. I didn't lose nobody, did I? Story is told about the great freshwater turtle who's known as the alligator snapping turtle. It's sad, Sister Thompson, that the snapping turtle daughter can sometimes get up to 200 and 50 pounds. And what's so unique about her is that she lays at the bottoms of lakes and rivers. And what she does is she has at the end of her long tongue a pink-shaped appendage. And she'll lay there and just allow the appendage to sway back and forth so that any type of fish coming her way might think it's a worm and take the bait. And as soon as it takes the bait, Brother Deacon, it snaps 
is prey in his mouth. And that's why it's known as a carnivorous creature. Well, just as subtle as the snapping turtle is, so is your enemy, Satan. He always lays in the cup, luring before you the thing that'll satisfy your appetite. Ain't gonna bring to you nothing, Sister Gladys, that's not appealing to your eye. Are you with me here? But as soon as he gets the chance, he aims to devour you because you took the bait and was impatient waiting on the Lord. Well, the text goes on to say that he spoke to Jesus, but Jesus talked right back to him. Verse 4, the Bible says, but Jesus answered him and said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I like this right here because by quoting the scripture, Jesus was able to defeat the tempter and gain power over the situation that he was facing. Uh, it proves to me there's power in the word. There's power in the spoken word. Notice, he didn't just think about the word. He didn't just have good thoughts. He spoke the word and quoted the word because he knew the word. He could lean on the word because he trusted the word. And only the word could defeat the lies and the temptation of the devil. Can I say it another way? Only the word could remind him, Sister Cynthia, that he was not to use his supernatural power and make stones in the bread. Only the word could remind him that life was more than fulfilling his fleshly desires as a man. Only the word could remind him of his purpose and his calling in the face of temptation. How did he do it? Jesus used the word. Oh, my beloved. Oh, my beloved, as men and women of God, you and I need to hold on to the scriptures in our hearts when Satan comes to tempt us to disobey God. Why? Only the scriptures can give us victory over the words of the evil one. That Bible is real. And it's God's instructions, mama, on how to handle the evil one in the earth. We've looked at how to deny your flesh. Let me turn the light on now by looking at denying your focus. The Bible says in verse five that then the devil taking him up to a high mountain, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I'll give to you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me and I'll give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you just worship before me, all of this will be yours. And Jesus answered, get behind me, Satan. 
For it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Beloved, when we land at this certain portion of the pericope, we get to understand and get a good look at Satan's second attempt to throw Jesus off. And in this effort, Satan wants to get Jesus to worship him. Now this is interesting because he didn't necessarily, Brother Deacons, want him to stop worshiping the Father because he had just finished 40 days of fasting and prayer. What Satan wanted was just to include him in a little more worship. In other words, he didn't want him to not worship his father. Just add me into the worship ceremony. He says, notice, look at the Bible. Don't make it up. Look it up, right? The text says, if you will worship me. All this will be yours. You see the comparison? I don't want you to not worship your father. Just give me some worship. Okay, Satan tries right here to appeal to Jesus' eyes. His focus, what he could see. He wanted him to look at earthly comforts, riches and power and things. Right after he had just been baptized, Right after 40 days of fasting and isolation and being intimate with the Father, he wasn't asking Jesus to take back what he just experienced. He was asking him to include him. He offered him something in exchange for a little worship. Here it is for the young people. Just hit the knee one time real quick, Jesus. And I've got something I want to give you. Why, what Satan knew after Jesus finished praying to the Father, he didn't have nothing to live on. He didn't have no job. He didn't have no house. I'm coming down your road. He didn't have no earthly security. He was in the wilderness. A poor, broke Baptist preacher. Come on, talk to me. And I'll give you some stuff if you just include me in a little of your worship. Here it is, Caesar Clark said this, he wanted Jesus to have back creation without Calvary. He, he, wanted you, he wanted him to have creation back in his sinful fallen creation, unable to be pardoned for all of eternity. Jesus knew, but he would bow, not bow the knee to Satan. Look at what he says, get behind me Satan. For it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only. Somebody holler, only. Shall you serve. I like this right here, uh, Deacon Deming, because the master would not give in to the tempting desires of what he saw and how easy it was to have it all in ministry. The master would not trade his cross for a quick come up in the kingdom. The master would not forsake you and I for new earthly rule and pseudo glory. I'm so glad he wasn't after the kingdoms of his world. 
the master was completely focused on doing ministry God's way to please his father and satisfy the required manner of salvation for the souls of mankind. He wouldn't worship Satan, brothers and sisters, no matter what the prize may be. Well, you and I can learn from the master in this text. Nothing that the evil one offers us is worth worshiping him. Uh, nothing that he dangles in our eyes is worth turning our back on God. Here it is, here it is. It's better to be poor in ministry than blessed by the devil. I know the mother church has got parking lots full of cars, but everything that's full ain't in God's will. Better to have no home than be given a satanic residence. Oh, beloved, hear me today, please. I'm pleading with you. Be careful with wanting everything he dangles before your eyes. Be careful desiring the things of this world. All that Satan offers you come with a price. Can't you see him tempting him at a time when he needed food? Shelter, resources, temptation comes with a prize. And the price here was satanic worship. The price was to deny his father. The price was to make Satan God. And then he could have all he wanted. Secondly, I learned in the passage, and I'm a hurry to a close. Satan didn't lie. He didn't lie about his possessions. Young people, did you hear me? He really did have control of all the stuff he said he did. He couldn't lie to Jesus. This is the son of God. And he got the possessions based on Adam's disobedience. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, he gave over the keys, the keys of authority to the wicked one. So Satan had the keys at that time to all of the kingdoms of the world. So he wasn't lying when he offered it to Jesus. Thirdly, I see in this text, he offered this to Jesus at his weakest moment. He don't never come to you when you're satisfied. <laughs> I just dropped something right there. He don't come when all is good. He always comes when you're in a deficit. When I see this in this text, guess how Jesus defeats him? With the word. He says, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. Here it is, translation. The Bible said, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. I like this right here because by quoting the scripture, he was able to defeat the tempter. By quoting the scripture, he was able to get power over the situation. See, only the scripture could remind him that it's wrong to worship any other God before the true and the living God. Only the word could remind him that life was more than fulfilling his earthly, fleshly desires. Only the word could remind him of purpose and calling in the face of temptation. Only the word could remind him to keep his focus. Story is told of a young fellow who went to the mall with his bride. And they were shopping at the kiosk, getting ready to buy her a nice 
honey, I love your gift. When all of a sudden, a pretty young girl came by. And the young groom lost his focus and began to follow the young girl down the mall. And the story says that the wife, without looking up, asked him a question. I hope you know this better be worth the trouble that you in. Somebody missed it. You always get in trouble in this life when you lose your focus. <laughs> oh, if you lose your focus, it'll mess up relationships. I don't know who I'm talking to right there. But if you lose your focus, you're bound to give up the thing you've been working hard to try to keep. Well, we've looked at what it means to deny your flesh. We've looked at what it means to deny your focus. Let me land the plane now and show you what it means to deny your fault. Y'all gonna help me sign here? The Bible says in verse nine that after all that, then he brought him to the hill in Jerusalem. And the devil set Jesus on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, Throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. This is the devil misquoting scripture. Psalm 91. Are y'all in here now? See, he, he thinks that Jesus is going to use the word so he's going to beat him to the text by misquoting it. I don't know who I'm talking to today. But Jesus answered him. It's been said, you shall not tempt the Lord, your God. Thank you, Zion Hill, for listening today. When we come to this last portion of the text, we get to see Satan tempt him a third time. And this time he takes him to church. And here, on top of the temple, he tempts Jesus with the pride of life. You see, and he tempts him by taking scripture out of context. It's as if you say, you know the Bible, don't you? To do that. This is what the Bible says. What I like this is that Satan wanted to rise, or rather wanted Jesus to rise to ministry stardom quickly by doing a public event. L listen to his foe. L listen to him try to get him to do the pride of life. If you're the son of God, do the spectacular. Jump off this building and do a miracle. And you won't have to do nothing else. They'll all come from all over to experience your ministry. Y'all in here now? He wanted the master to win the world by entertainment. And to show that he was the Messiah another way. Don't sacrifice yourself. Do the spectacular. And people will come from all over 
to be your disciples. I believe that Satan knew there would be no atonement for sin by doing the spectacular. So he tempted Jesus. Here I come, Zion Hill. He tempted him to be great, look great, perform great, have everybody see you and talk about you on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Demonstrate for the world that you got power with divine angels. That's why he misquoted the text. If you jump off, your angels will catch you. Y'all in here? And what I like about this text, and I'm coming down, the same temptations he used against Jesus, he uses on the Christian in the church today. He often tempts you and I with prominence, power, publicity, privilege, and position in the world. Come on, help me, Zion Hill. He often tempts us to be super spiritual, to perform religious activities that we can get the credit and none of it goes to God. He often tempts us to do the spectacular as long as we avoid carrying the cross like God has already preordained. His temptation for you and I is to be great, look great, perform great, and have everybody talk about us. Look at that church. Look at what she got. Look at what she can do. Instead of look at her and carry that cross. Look at her die daily for the community she's been placed in. Satan knows that if we would be like Jesus and take up the cross, we would have power that the world knows nothing about. But I love what Jesus did. He takes scripture to fix misquoted scripture from Deuteronomy 6 verse 16 he said do not put the Lord your God to the test and I like that right there because by quoting scripture he displays power over the evil one power over the voice in your head power over what your flesh might want. Power to handle the situation. Jesus used the word to defeat pride in life. When the temptations of life come your way, use the word to combat them. When the tempter comes to distract you, use the word to defeat him. When trials and tribulation take you off court, use the word to escape them. When doubt and worry are at your door, use the word to defeat them. When decisions and choices gotta be made today, use the word to make them. I got to leave you now. But when Jesus comes out of that situation he goes to Nazareth and he announces what his ministry is I heard he preached the spirit of God is upon me because the Lord 
has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening the prisons to those who are held captive. So glad he preached the word and he did exactly what he preached about. He preached the word, obeyed the word, talked the word, submitted to the word, followed the word. In fact, the Bible said, in the beginning, he was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him. And without him was nothing made that was made. Can I preach a little bit? I'm so glad for the word. S.M. Lockridge, the great preacher said, as the word, Jesus' office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness limitless. His mercy everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden light. As the word, he's indescribable, incomprehensible, invincible, invisible. As the word, the heavens can't contain it, let alone man explain it. You can't get him out of your mind. Can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive it, and you can't live without it. He's the word. The Pharisees couldn't stand it. Herod couldn't kill it. The cross couldn't hold it. He died. Didn't he die? The grave couldn't hold it. Wow, there's time.